Hello, and thank you for joining us again for another episode of Who's in Your Village podcast. I'm Dr. Will Soriano with Apex Chiropractic. We're a two-doctor office located in Neptune Beach that focuses on correcting primary shifts of the spine that are usually the cause of secondary conditions that bring people to the chiropractor. Today, we're being joined by Jamie Bumtempo of Zest MFR, Myofascial Release and Pelvic Health. So we're gonna to talk to her, find out a little bit about her, uh, where she's from, how she got into this field and the type of people that she helps, the types of cases that she maybe specializes in and um, what we need to do to, to find out if this is a service that might be beneficial for us. So thank you for joining us, Jamie. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Dr. Wu. Um, yes, I'm an occupational therapist. Um, I specialize in pelvic health and um, Particularly, I, the main modality I use is John F. Barnes' myofascial release. Okay, so can you tell me about myofascial release? Like, what is it? What's, mm -hmm. what's the, the goal of myofascial release? Yes. Um, so, Barnes' myofascial release is a bit different from what most people think when they hear myofascial release. So, the traditional type of myofascial release would be more of... Um, soft tissue mobilization, um, some people use tools, um, but Barnes myofascial release is very gentle. So <clears throat> we use pressure to break into the collagenous barrier of the fascia um, because fascia, the tissue is actually a very, very strong. It has a tensile strength of approximately 2000 pounds per square inch. Um, so it is not tissue that can really be forced, in my opinion. Um, so that is why we first gently engage the tissue before we start to stretch the actual the fascia and um, uh, causing a piezoelectric effect. Mm -hmm. um, and it is we used long holds so, at least three to five minute holds um, in order to fully release the tissue. Um, there are many beneficial um, like side effects, I would say, of myofascial release too. One of the reasons why we hold it that long is because it releases um, interleukin-8, some anti-inflammatory properties there, just that they're naturally occurring in our body. Um, human growth factors. So it's very beneficial um, for the whole body. It's a whole body approach. So we're not just treating one part of the body. We really see uh, the person, the whole person. So you may come to me for pelvic pain, but we may be working also on the jaw, for instance, because there is a fascial connection there. Um, Many of my patients even feel release in their pelvic floor if I'm working like inside their mouth and the pterygoid muscles. Mm -hmm. um, so I actually found um, a lot of benefits for myself, which is why I got into it. Uh, so my, my experience, I'm, I'm from Chicago, went to Chicago State University. Um, after I graduated, well, uh, before before OT school, I also uh, have a bachelor's in psychology, so I have that background. Um, went to OT school. Uh, in OT school, I did research um, with my colleagues at Chicago State. We worked on um, a project about um, challenges that families have um, when they're feeding feeding their children, so um, like cultural, some cultural differences and just all the factors that make um, children with disabilities have difficulties with feeding. So, so occupational is very broad. Um, after I graduated, I worked in um, neuro um, inpatient rehab and acute care. So for about eight years, I was primarily in acute care. So I have that neuro background um, later on, I ended up uh, 
damaging some of my joints from uh, all of the, the transfers that I did with patients in the hospital because so many people come in, you know, brain surgery, strokes. Right. So um, it took a toll on my body. Um, I do have a connective tissue disorder, so I started becoming really interested in connective tissue, including fascia. Um, so I ended up really getting interested in pelvic health because of my own experiences and learned about John Barnes. Um, he's known as the father of myofascial release. He's, he's been a physical therapist for like 60 years. So definitely want to, you know, show my appreciation for him and, you know, like right. everything he's done for, uh, for so many people therapists, right. chiropractors, he teaches um, medical doctors, occupational therapists, physical therapists, speech therapists, pretty much anybody that has um, the, the license to touch, he mm -hmm. will uh, share his knowledge awesome. uh, in his seminars. So backing up a bit, you said mm -hmm. that you have a bachelor's in psychology. Mm -hmm. So what made you switch from that to occupational therapy? It's a good question. Um, so my a lot of life experiences i would say um like personal experiences with my family um i i already knew about rehabilitation because my sister is a physical therapist uh, so i have family members who have had to have occupational therapy um so i knew about it but it was kind of in the background i didn't really know about it <laughs> um other than uh i guess i didn't really have a full understanding of what occupational therapy was okay until i started exploring it more um i thought that i wanted to be a psychologist for a while so that's why i started with my bachelor's in psychology um after i graduated i um, kind of didn't really have direction. I, um, for a while I was going to school for speech therapy. So I'm like, I almost have two bachelor's degrees. Um, luckily I, you know, I figured out what I wanted to do, um, before I went and got a master's in that, but, um, you know, love speech therapists too. But the reason why I chose occupational therapy is because um, we're really looking at the whole person. So there's a lot of overlap with speech therapy and physical therapy. Um, there are occupational therapists that work with feeding and swallowing, mm -hmm. um, cognition, mental health, um, cause occupational therapy actually grew from mental health, um, like nurses who, who, uh, worked in mental health back in like the 1800s. Um, the the moral treatment movement, um, Jane Adams. It was just a culmination of learning that um, over time, you know, we had way, way, way back in time, we didn't treat people the same way. Like people <laughs> with mental health issues, right. kind of just put them in an asylum. Um, so it grew out of the the moral treatment movement where we're um, really focusing on what a person does to be a human like treating people like humans because we are human we're not we're not just body parts right um, um, learning about what people enjoy doing what makes them um, want to participate in life so the study of occupational therapy is looking at the person, the full person, their environment, so physical environment, social environment, and then what it is that they do to occupy their time. It's kind of a confusing uh, title for a, for a job, <laughs> I would say, but because it has nothing to do with, I mean, people do have jobs and people do work, so it's not that we wouldn't work with, um, you know, uh, a worker, like to help them be a, a more fulfilled in their job or better at their job. 
but it's not, I'm not trying to help you find a job. Right. <laughs> so backing up a little bit, you talked about, you know, uh, when you guys are doing MFR, how you'll apply long moves because you're trying to get to the collagenous layer of mm -hmm. fascia and you talked about fascia, mm -hmm. but for people listening, can you tell us what fascia is and what yeah. those different layers are and you know why it's such uh, an important thing to make sure it's, it's functioning properly? Yeah, <clears throat> um, so fascia is, um, it is a connective tissue that surrounds our entire body from head to toe it is continuous. So it covers your brain, your organs, osseous structures. So I think of it as a full body stocking, um, covers your heart. I mean, your heart is a muscle, it covers your bladder. Um, and it is three dimensional. So it's not, it's not linear. It is, the way I try to explain it is, you know those those balls that kids would play with and it goes in and out. Or, or if you think about a slinky, mm -hmm. it starts solid and then it, it, it's like a webbing and it moves back and forth and it gives, it gives the slinky fluidity and motion. Yep. Uh, so humans, we are, um, we're not made of rocks, we're made of you know, a culmination of cells. Even in the inside the cell itself, there are microtubules of fascia. So it literally starts at the cell. It it's it covers everything. Um, and over time, because of life, stress, uh, inflammation, posture, um, surgeries, that that connective tissue that is there to protect us can start to um, solidify almost like when amber turns from tree sap to a rock mm -hmm. it creates these restrictions so it's there to protect us um, but after that trauma is over our body doesn't always know to let go so um, that's why myofascial release is important um, to give the body a balance. Um, it can, if you have a lot of fascial restrictions, as you, I'm sure you know, with being a chiropractor, um, it can it can affect your posture. It can affect mm -hmm. everything. It can affect um, even your cognition if if you have fascial restrictions around the cranium. Um, so there, it's. It's an important structure that I feel was really overlooked um, in my training, uh, you know, previous to occupational therapy school. Um, we all took we all took anatomy and physiology, mm -hmm. gross anatomy. I'm sure, I'm sure you took mm -hmm. that too. Um, and in my class, we kind of just cut through the the fascia and threw it away because we were dissecting human cadavers and the, the fascia in a human cadaver is not the same as uh, in a living person. It's like, it's like studying a, well, John Barnes, I gotta give him credit to this analogy, but the analogy would be, um, it's like studying a, a pole when you should be really studying a living tree, <laughs> right. you know? So there wasn't a lot of um, widespread knowledge about fascia, I feel like in in the medical community until more recently. Um, there's been a lot of research on how, how important the structure is. It's in our body for a reason, right? Everything in our body is here for a reason. So do you know when this, uh fascia was first discovered and like you know what what if anything helps to control it does it have blood innervation nervous system input i mean mm -hmm. I, you know what controls this uh fascial movement uh so i don't know when it was first discovered um exactly it i mean it we knew about fascia we just didn't know the significance 
of it. It was previously understood as just a, a tissue that encapsulates muscles, like the tissue that like when we are eating chicken, like it's just around the muscle and it mm-hmm. didn't, doesn't have much of a purpose other than to hold the muscle, I guess. But um, it's actually composed of about 20% um, collagen and then 80% um, elastin and ground substance, which includes polysaccharides, um, a whole lot of different like molecules that um, just flow throughout our body. So um, it, it encapsulates it, it. It encapsulates all the structures in our body, including some of those uh, pain-sensitive structures. So it can because it surrounds everything it comes in contact with with uh, nervous system structures so it's it's not exactly innervated but it's it surrounds okay everything. so what what if anything controls its functions and actions yeah, yeah it's a well so there's a really interesting uh, if you go, you can even go on YouTube and find it. There's a French surgeon by the name of uh, Jean-Claude Gimberto. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but <laughs> um, he was a French uh, hand surgeon. And so there's a video of him uh, doing a tendon transfer surgery. And you can actually see what it looks like. And you can see um, it looks like little little air bubbles inside so if there are if there's air bubbles inside that is showing that the, it's actually a, it's a pressure system so it is um, it was previously understood as just being more of a linear movement but with more research on um, like biotensegrity mm-hmm. it is actually more of a um, the tissue kind of telescopes out and in so it's it looks like um, a spider web sort of um, those the polysaccharide ground substance can start to form nodules um, because of the pressure so it is a kind of a pressure system and because it has so much it has so much tensile strength you know 2,000 pounds per square inch is like that is like a you know, like a, a radio tower being right. on your your body. Um, so it's very interesting. I um, definitely credit you know John Barnes and to all the the the, um, the the work that he's put in over the past sixty years of um, teaching um, all his knowledge um, and just it's not only a um, a structure, but it also there has been more research surrounding um, the fact that it's not just a physical structure. It actually, we have light inside of our body. Mm-hmm. So when we engage um, a person's body, it's it's going to be skin on skin. This can sound for some people to be a little bit woo-woo, but <laughs> um, when we are engaging the tissue, we are transferring our energy, as, like as a, the therapist, we're transferring our energy onto the person. So that creates resonance. Our bodies, we are light beings. So uh, we're transferring pressure energy, um, the piezoelectric effect, and um, really just resonating with the other person, it creates a really calming effect. Um, Myofascial release is a more of a try, it's a triad of not just structural work, but also rebounding. So gentle, gentle movements that calms down the, the nervous system. It can even make, uh, somebody start to spontaneously move, let out um, emotional stress, physical stress. 
Um, and so it, for me personally, I have experienced some uh, really profound emotional re release as well. Um, so yeah, like I said, it's pretty woo-woo sounding, but more and more research has come out about, you know, we are not, we're not machines. Right. Um, there is no separation between the mind and body. So that um, that's the main difference between um, the traditional form of myofascial release, which is just structure. more structural. Yeah. So um, we're really addressing the mind body in that way. And so, um, you know, being how the mind does affect everything, are there certain techniques that are not hands-on that you're uh, teaching the people that you work with to either do while you're working mm -hmm. with them or when they're not there to okay. improve that mind-body connection? Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I show people how to do um, self, not only just self-structural myofascial release, but also um, like myofascial rebounding, which is, we also call it jiggling. So just kind of moving your body into a, it creates more of a fluid motion because our body is made up of so much fluid. Um, we're using that fluidity of the body, um, not only as a intervention, but also our evaluation. So we can see how the body moves. We can see um, if there are any bracing patterns. So when you're moving somebody on the table, you can see how they react. So if there's any, if they have pain in some way, you'll see where they're bracing. Um, so, so I show people how to do self rebounding. Um, and some of my patients also have spontaneous unwindings in their sessions where they will um, start to move into positions of past trauma, um, which can be really profound. It's, it can take some, it takes a lot of practice to get to that point mm -hmm. um, and just learning how to let go of what we have been taught our whole lives. Like you can see it in animals like cats, cats do it. Cats unwind, they start to um, maybe in the morning time, you'll see them stretch and just start to move and like meow, like they don't care how they look, <laughs> <laughs> but we have been conditioned to act normal right I mean, most vertebrates do that right like your dog will do it i think most vertebrate animals do that type of activity when they first wake up and yeah. they're stretching and you know doing all that kind of stuff I, I feel like most vertebrates are doing this type of activity yeah yeah you see it in nature you see it i mean it could also be argued that some of these um ancient practices that we've had since the beginning of time Tai Chi, yoga, they're using some of those myofascial principles. It's just a stylized version. Um, so I feel like it's, it's a very natural movement. Um, we have the ability to heal ourselves. Um, so I love the fact that we are trying to get people to really connect with their bodies and um, learn different ways that aren't relying on pharmaceuticals that can have a lot of really bad side effects um, to address their not only their physical health but their mental health um, so why, why do you think that more people are you know seeking this way of approaching the body and health you know it seems like more and more people are seeking this out like they're not really into conventional uh health anymore you know yeah why do you think that is i think people are not always seeing the results that they deserve um part of it i feel is just our healthcare system the insurance system you know um people get frustrated they're being sent from specialist to specialist, spending all this money, taking drugs that don't work. And um, they're just, a lot of people who, are, who have had chronic pain, like I find 
people coming to me for chronic pain, like they've tried so many different things. And then they end up coming to me as like a last resort. But I really wish they had started to come right. to me earlier. It should be maybe one day. Like, I feel like this is really the future of medicine. You know, I think that in the future we will look at um, the overuse of opioids and, you know, prescription medications as like how we looked, how we now look at um, how we treated mental health patients back in the day, right. like bar barbaric. <laughs> right. You know, I'm not saying that it's not necessary, but a lot of times medications are the answer and right. surgeries are definitely necessary. Like they're life-saving at times, but um, I feel like it's also like generations past, like my parents' generation, people just, they want a pill, they, they want their problem solved. Um, but unfortunately, it's not that simple. I wish it was. I, I think people are kind of catching on to that. You know, they're kind of realizing that a patch isn't necessarily what you want. And, and I agree. I think that, you know, there's definitely times where medications are necessary and surgeries can be not only life altering, but life saving. Yeah. But when we're talking about how to be healthy and maintain health i don't think that that those answers are in you know pills potions or lotions or salves or no. or even like um in activity i mean i think people are starting to wake up to the fact that human beings living things in general are usually self-healing self-maintaining self-regulating as long as we have the right conditions, right? As long as we're doing all of the things that a human body needs, we're eating well, we're sleeping well, we're moving well, we're thinking well, you know, all of those things. So yes, I mean, I, I think that most people uh, before were kind of doing what you were talking about, kind of going for like the quick fix patch and not really dealing with the root cause of things. And I think more and more people are deciding, hey, let's do the least invasive thing first. Yeah. You know, let's try changing our diet. Let's try chiropractic. Let's try MFR. And you know what? If, the, if those things don't work, then you know what? You can just stop doing them, right? Yeah. But if you have a surgery and they cut something out or put something in and it doesn't work, well, they already did it. Like yeah. <laughs> that part's already gone or they, they put some hardware in and then now you have to go and, you know, have a secondary procedure to correct yeah. that initial one so yeah I, I think I think you're right that people are starting to you know for lack of a better term wake up to that realization that most of the answers are already there yeah already there we just have to find ways to like open those doors and you know let yeah. let actual healing happen yeah that's really all I I'm not I'm just facilitating I am People have the ability, they just need a little bit of guidance. So um, if I can show people how to how to treat themselves long term, that's my that's my goal, you know, to make it a life lifelong, life altering uh, change for the better, um, so that people can have more joy, you know, just live their life with more ease and not have to keep searching, keep looking for answers that they just, it can drive, it can really drive you to the point where, you know, where does it start with, with mental illness? Like, right. um, it can, chronic pain, like, I feel like chronic pain and mental health, like they go hand in hand, like people can be yeah. depressed because they're in pain. So it's like, you really have to look at the whole body. I mean, everything. If you're in pain, you're going to be short-tempered. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to be less patient with everyone, with everything. It just makes sense. You know? yeah. If you don't feel well, you're not going to, you know, mentally feel well either. You know? And over a long time, yeah, that can become exhausting. Absolutely. Yeah. So what does a, what does a, a first visit look like 
in your office? Mm -hmm. Like, how does it, how does that work? So I, I try to really make the best use of everyone's time. So like, as far as like getting information about like people's health, I try to get people to just, I have them do intake forms beforehand. Right. So I really want to get to, get to the good stuff. Um, so I will first really just, you know, have a conversation about like what someone's goals are, like what it is, what is it that you want to do with your life? Like what are some things that have been holding you back? Um, for some people it's like, I want to go and be able to like go on a vacation with, with my family or, um, I want to, uh, not leak when I'm doing jumping jacks or uh, I want to have intimacy, you know, with my partner again. Um, or even, uh, you know, it could be so many different things. So I find out what someone's goal is. Um, and then I do a postural analysis to see if there are any um, any structural uh, discrepancies that just kind of jump out at me because you can't see fascia, but you can see where parts of the body are being pulled. So I look at the scapula, I look at the pelvis, I look at the position of the limbs and the head. Um, and then, you know, I will sometimes do um, more more standard traditional like OT uh, assessments like range of motion and um, strength just to get a baseline mm -hmm. and then I have people I have a massage table it's a pretty big massage table so I can do rebounding um, without people falling off my table <laughs> and uh, then I just have them get comfortable on the table and Sometimes I'll start with the rebounding, uh, gentle rocking, just to get the um, the body prepared and um, like down regulating the nervous system before I before I engage the tissue. Um, so my my sessions are pretty long, like ninety minutes long. Um, this gives us the time to like not only just be comfortable, but um, these the body work that I'm doing, there is a time factor because I'm using these holds for at least like three, five minutes, sometimes even longer. Um, so, so it's, it can take, you know, a good amount of time. Um, sometimes people try to fall asleep and I have to like kind of... Do you not want someone to sleep? No, uh, I, you know, it happens. I, I work on my wife. <laughs> And she's always trying to fall asleep. Like, um, it's it can it can be really calming, you know. You want to you want to fall asleep, but really to get the benefit of you know the full benefit, it's best to feel uh, what your body needs to feel so that it can then let that go. So you might. You might feel some pain. Um, you might feel tingling or like heat like, during the releases. Mm -hmm. um, but that is just something that needs to happen so that we can move past that. Um, okay. And um, once a person has come in and they've had their initial uh, visit, um, what happens next? Is there like a frequency that's required to really get things under control or is it kind of just like a come back whenever kind of deal? It's, it's definitely different. Like I individualize it. I don't like, I, I don't necessarily say like sometimes I will, um, have people coming to me for more like intensive sessions because they want to get quicker progress mm -hmm. or maybe they're, driving from long distances to come and see me. So, you know, they may want to come to me for three hours. I have a guy that drives a couple hours to see me, you know, for long periods of time because he wants to get the full right. benefit. But um, 
I, I do offer in intensives if you if someone really wants to take the time and like spend a full week um, and we can just focus on the myofascial release portion. I have people coming to see me also maybe like sometimes once a week. Um, some people get better and then they just come for maintenance. So once a month, you know, they, okay. because they have gotten to the point where they can now treat themselves. So it's, it's individualized. Um, there's no one size fits all. So it really just depends on how they respond to care. Yep. Yeah, definitely. And is there a, is there like a, uh, a sequence of things that typically happen or no, it's very individualized as far as what we're actually doing? Oh yeah. Everything is very, very individualized. Um, because you know, there are so many different, um, parts of the body that can have fascial restrictions. There's like a million different, um, different ways that someone can have a fascial restriction. It's not, yes, there are some parts of the body that have more fascia, um, but we all have different experiences. So we have, you know, if you've had an injury or you've fallen, um, I would definitely, if you've fallen on your bottom or something like that, I would definitely want to maybe assess internally because I, I, I do internal pelvic floor work also. So I work inside the mouth, even inside the nose at times um, and inside the um, female anatomy, um, male anatomy. Um, I see people of all genders, so I'll see people who are transgender, um, anybody that has a pelvis. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it, there are some things that I would definitely look at more. Um, if you're coming to me for a shoulder injury, I'm gonna definitely look around the scapula, but with my postural analysis, if I see something that's asymmetrical. Like I, I definitely look at the um, the alignment of the pelvis, mm -hmm. and I try to you know just like similar to what you would do with with chiropractic, mm -hmm. right? But just in a different different approach. So I am just trying. I'm trying to balance the structures, but everybody is different. Okay, and, and so. With the a pelvic floor work that you do, you know what types of uh, cases do you see for that? I see people. Um, like sometimes people will have old C-section scars that um, are just ha have a lot of adhesions. Um, people who have leakage. Um, some sometimes people come to me like postpartum. Um, because they are leaking after having a child or um, maybe pelvic organ prolapse um, which because the pelvic bowl is like a it's like a bowl of uh, fascia it's the pelvic organs are suspended in fascia so people can get pelvic organ prolapse if there is a um, if the fascial system is not balanced there. So that's something I might see, or I might see someone for constipation, um, which can affect, you know, urinary leakage. Mm -hmm. um, one, of my, one of my mentors, Jane Kaufman, she's a PT. She says, the poop drives the pee. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> so that's always been in the back of my head. So what about age? Uh, like. Do you see uh, newborns or, or infants and, you know, what types, like what reason would a parent bring uh, an infant if you do see them? Uh, people, like birth trauma. So, I mean, that's a major one. Um, when when babies are born, I mean, it's not, it's a, it's a traumatic experience for the child. They, they're going through this tiny hole. Um, 
there's compression, there, there might be a brachial plexus injury, or I might see someone for a, a child for a tongue tie, um, colic, uh, or torticollis, um, things like that. And then these, these uh, babies would all get this myofascial release. Yeah, anybody can anybody can benefit from it. There, are, animals can benefit from it. Um, like John Barnes, he has treated racehorses, like lame racehorses, okay. <laughs> and gotten them back on the track. So, mammals. <laughs> if right. you're a mammal, you have fascia. Okay, so let's go back to this fascia and, and you know kind of do a, more of a deep dive into it. You know, you, you, you did mention those two layers. Are there other layers to this fascia? Or is it just a, a fascia layer and this, um, I would call it like a, uh, a gelatinous a layer. Oh yeah, the ground substance, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so the, the, the collagen is the first layer that you need to really break through. Um, that's that is the layer that is sometimes overlooked by practitioners. They're not gently engaging it enough because uh, it's pretty it's pretty tough tissue. Um, really, I mean, when I'm working with someone doing myofascial release, it's like unpeeling layers of an onion. So the fascia is is layered upon itself. So I, I'm I'm just working through layer by layer. Um, but yeah, what were you referring more to like the polysaccharide ground mm -hmm. substance? So what what are what are some things, if there are some things that people can do to promote and enhance and maintain fascial health? Are there like yeah. dietary things or, or anything like that? Dietary things, um I mean you when you have fascial restrictions, there are, there's not going to be um, as good flow, uh, like blood flow. So when we're opening up that, that tissue, we're opening up um, more availability of the body to absorb those nutrients. So I definitely, when somebody is working with me, I will suggest that they just you know, make sure you're you're having enough magnesium. Like that's we're we're working with tissue that might start to come into a spasm. Um, it could start to um, fatigue. So I I try to encourage magnesium because there's like about about what two thirds of Americans are deficient in magnesium, um, but it's not. I wouldn't, I'd probably ask a dietitian for that okay. as far as like what foods would enhance um, the, the fascia. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't think that there is. Like, what I think about it's... like hydration? Is that a thing? Like oh, yeah. if you're dehydrated, that's probably worse for a fascia or? Yeah. Yeah. So I always have people make sure that after they're working with me that they are drinking Plenty of water, like more water than you would normally drink. Um, definitely don't chug it though. Um, try to water yourself slowly, like a plant. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, since since there's those restrictions blocking the flow of nutrients and lymph and everything in our body, pretty much, um, there are areas of the body that are gonna be. Uh, dehydrated and not getting that nutrition so just in general like make sure you're eating eating you're eating the rainbow <laughs> like getting right, plenty right. of nutrients um, but there isn't I don't recommend any particular foods or foods, supplements or anything just like that. a well-balanced meal I'm sure there there are people that are giving out supplements for this but I don't I'm not focusing on the right. supplement so much. What about um, like afterward? What typically are there uh, after effects that someone might perceive as negative? Like they might be 
really sore after mm -hmm. a session or is it or is it typically people generally always feel better after a session after a session um you know like, like when you get a massage you feel sore the day after mm -hmm. a little bit similar to that but you can also get stirred up emotionally you can start being more irritable um but nothing nothing related to this to myofascial release is going to cause an injury as long as I mean, there are some some precautions that we want to take like if you've had if you have an aneurysm if you have a cerebral spinal fluid leak um if you have a fracture that's unhealed um that would be a contraindication but People will have pain afterwards sometimes, or sometimes they'll, they'll feel better right away. It's really individualized, but most people will feel a little bit sore, a little bit stirred up the next day. Um, but a couple days later, all of a sudden they feel better or they'll start engaging in their activities and just realize, wait a minute, I'm not in pain anymore. So. So you, you also mentioned, you know, you talked about, you know, working with babies and, you know, uh, women postpartum, but you also mentioned men. So what type of, uh, I guess, pelvic floor health or issues do you work with when it comes to men? Uh, men, so men can have issues like constipation too, uh, tailbone pain, um, if they have um, a tight pelvic floor. So some things like Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, hypermobility spectrum disorder can affect people of all genders. Um, or if you've had a gender affirming surgery, um, people can come to me. So erectile dysfunction, that could also be an issue that people are having. Um, hernias, inguinal hernias, mm -hmm. that could be affected by the fascia. Uh, or just like deep, deep scrotal pain, mm -hmm. people will come to me. Um, but there are other things that I use also in my practice, like pelvic floor biofeedback, um, dilators. There, there's a whole lot of tools that I use in pelvic therapy also. So. Myofascial release isn't my only uh, modality. I wouldn't even call it a modality. It's a whole, it's a full, full body treatment. Mm -hmm. And yes, it's my main approach, but I do use other, other tools. Okay. And, and, and then those tools are more uh, pelvic floor focused. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But there is a myofascial component to those uh, cases when you see mm -hmm. the, those people as well. Really, there. I mean, I'm I'm finding that there's a fascial component to almost everything. Right. <laughs> okay. Really. Um. Sorry, my headphones are falling off. <laughs> they fell. Yeah. Um. But I'm also looking at mental health, you know, and helping people to calm their nervous system because that can, or breathing, breathing, like. Breathing affects your nervous system. Right. Breathing affects how you defecate. Um, so I also show people how to breathe um, more effectively and, and feel better in their bodies. So let's talk about that because you know we talk about that sometimes with patients and you know for people listening, you're like, "What are you talking about? Breathe!" Like I do it all the time. I don't even have to think about it. Yeah. So what is it that you see? that people typically are doing wrong when it comes to breathing and what should they be doing? Mm -hmm. I see a lot of people breathing, like chest breathing. So, uh, you know, high, high tension up in the traps um, or like really shallow breaths. Um, I also see lack of expansion in the rib cage, uh, a major thing that I, feel like is also overlooked is is the rib expansion and um there's a big fad right now with the diaphragmatic breathing which belly breathing yes <laughs> belly breathing 
is great, but what about what about the rest of this is a pressure system too. Like your your thorax is a pressure system. And if you're just breathing from your belly, where does the pressure go? <laughs> it can go down. Right? If you're right. if you're not managing the pressure in all directions, and that can cause pelvic floor pelvic organ prolapse. So you really want to be breathing three-dimensionally um, from the back and you want to see more rib expansion. So how do you get people to do that? What, like, how do you get them to focus on actually achieving that? Achieving the 3D breathing? Right. Um, so there are, there are a few exercises that I'll have them do, like um, Sarah Duval, she's a, she's a physical therapist. I credit her to, the, to this technique. Um, it's ha breathing. So you let, you let your air out. You're, you make like a ha sound, mm -hmm. let it all out. And then you put your hands on your lower ribs. So you're pushing down and in. And then you're taking a breath and you feel that stretch from your your back and your your obliques. So that sure. that's a that's one that I have in my toolbox that I I'm pulling out routinely because this is I see it in everybody almost. Right. Yeah, a lot of chest breathing, and then they're you know recruiting uh, neck muscles and uh, shoulder muscles and chest muscles and neck muscles, and they're not using yeah. their diaphragm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, the diaphragm is the primary respiratory muscle, so we should be using that. Um, and we also want to have good posture. Like my posture sitting in this chair is not how you want to be doing this, the ha breathing. <laughs> so right. you really want to be, um, this microphone is kind of in my way, but you want to have sit bones first, right. pelvis, ribs, you know, scapula, stacked. everything stacked, head on top. <laughs> Not forward. Right. <laughs> okay. And where where is your practice uh, located? Yeah, I'm right down the street from you, um, 636 Third Street South. <laughs> Actually, my practice it's it's a small practice. It is behind my wife's tattoo shop. Okay. So she owns Queen Tattoo Co. Yeah. Uh, I also. I help her with that also. I mean, I'm still the owner. What's her name? Uh, Lechicia Bontempo. Okay. Yeah, Queen Tattoo. Um, so my practice is in the back. Like, we're, it's a separate area. Yeah. Um, we share a bathroom, but um, I have a wheelchair ramp. So I'm, I'm a solopreneur, so. Uh, <laughs> so this is really funny and random, and I did not know this, but yeah. I went to see her to get a quote on a piece that I haven't finished yet. And I told my wife that that's who's gonna finish this piece because all of her work that I see on Instagram is awesome. Yeah. That's so funny and that's that's your wife. Yeah. How random. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a small world. So you practice right behind uh, where Queen Tattoo is? Yep. Okay. Yep. And so do most of the people that you see, do you see there or do you ever do like house or business calls or anything like that? I mostly see people in my office just because I have this, if I'm gonna really be tr truly doing Barnes myofascial release and doing rebounding, I need to have a, a massage table or an area where I can, um, I mean, I have to have good ergonomics too. Right. So that's why I use the massage table. But if you have an area, if you have your own massage table at home, I'm happy to come to your house. I, I'll do house calls if people are having difficulty getting out of their house or if um, like say you just had a baby and you can't get out of the house, you know, um, because you're, you know, you're juggling all these things. So, um, yeah, it's not that I don't do house calls. I prefer to see right. people in my office just because it's more set up, and then I yeah, don't have to look. You have all the tools that you need there. Exactly. Yeah, 
I have some equipment that needs to be lugged around if I go to house calls and I want to take care of my body too. Right, so. right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So person comes in, they, they're evaluated and, um, their issues resolved. Are there cues that you have people look out for that may let them know that this issue may be coming back before they actually have pain or loss mm -hmm. of function or anything like that? Yeah, you mentioned, you asked me earlier about like some other things that people can do so to take care of themselves. Um, so Tai Chi is a good one. Just feeling how areas where your body is maybe having pain and just getting more in tune with your body. And I'm not saying focus on the pain all the time because that can cause central sensitization. So we don't want to be constantly focusing on the pain, but you know, if you are in a space where you can connect your mind and your body and really feel what is going on, then you can kind of recognize what areas need to be worked on. Um, and I usually will provide somebody with a, a myofascial release ball, so you can put a ball in that area and do some self-treatment that way. It's like replacing my hand. Ah, I see. And they'll, they would notice, okay, that definitely doesn't feel right. Let me make an appointment and go see yeah. Jamie. Yeah, or, you know, Working on yourself, they can work right. on themselves too. There's a lot of different tools like foam rolls. People can use foam rolls, but I don't recommend that you constantly roll the foam bowl, foam roll back and forth. Engage it for a long, longer period right. of time. Let it sit minutes. in a certain spot for a while. Yeah. Okay. And um, just, I, I would imagine it's the same thing when you see babies, like you're just finding out what kind of feedback you're getting from them as you're working with them. And then when you do recommendations for those kids, I would assume that it's also very individualized, but I would imagine that you're probably gonna see them more than once, you know, more than one time in that initial uh, phase when they first come to see you. Yeah, um, I mean, babies, Babies can be easier to work with when it comes to some of this work because they're they're not conditioned into like worrying about what um, society thinks of how they're moving their body, so they're much more in tune with their body, usually. Okay. Um, so usually they need less. Uh, I wouldn't say they need less. Okay. But maybe they need less of the encouragement to like let go they might need more structural work you know mm -hmm. because they're they're able to they, they're not worried about how they're moving right like they just need a little bit of encouragement maybe like hey let's start to jiggle our bodies and, and let's move around but like it's fun for them usually okay so most of the time when you're seeing kids uh they're like not crying you know <laughs> during that visit Sometimes, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> and, and is it mostly because you're trying to keep them in a certain position and they want to move? It, it's not because whatever's going on is painful. It could be. Like, they're just letting out that, you know, having a, having a release. Um, but colicky babies are going to cry a lot. Yeah. So there is cry. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to tell them to stop crying. Right, right. Just, you know, let it out. <laughs> it's the place to let it out. <laughs> So how long have you been in practice now? My private practice, I've so I've been in my solopreneurship about a year. Um, and I've been at OT for eight years or so. So So what made you make that leap to, you know, go out on your own? Uh so mostly um I find that in traditional settings, like traditional therapy settings, like um, there can be a lot of barriers for um, in place where when it comes to providing this service, 
um, like time restrictions time, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, time restrictions, uh, and then also another thing that got me into this is just being able to do something that's less physically taxing. <laughs> so, um, you know, I was, I was telling you earlier, I was a neuro-based therapist primarily. Mm -hmm. I also, you know, I was working in the ICU, uh, oncology, transplant, uh, orthopedics. So all over the place, lifting people all the time. Um, and I, I mentioned, I think uh, I, I have hypermobility spectrum disorder mm -hmm. myself. So I really needed to do something that wasn't lifting people um, not to say that I'm always lifting people, but right. you know, in the hospital setting, You're anything, a lot, right? anything can happen. And I've never had anybody fall. <laughs> um, but it, it's been at a, at a, it's come to a price. I've paid a price with my body. Right. <laughs> so it was time for me to, um, you know, use a different approach where I could also, um, do something where I can stand in different positions, I can sit down, um, you know, I'm not having to always be on alert if somebody's gonna have a, you know, syncope episode because, you know, they had orthostatic hypotension or something like that in the hospital. Um, so I love the hospital setting, but, um, just time for me to do something outside of traditional healthcare where or, or sick care, I guess. Right. <laughs> it's funny we're talking about how, you know, the general public is kind of waking up to the fact that the way we're doing it is might not be the best. But I'm also seeing the same thing from providers. Like most of the people that we've been talking to on the podcast are people that either were in a hospital setting or in a large, you know, like corporate healthcare setting, and they were not happy with their patient interaction and the, the time that they could spend with patients. Mm -hmm. And uh, they just felt like they could give better care, not being in that traditional system. So it's, mm -hmm. it's like, it's kind of all around happening. Like people are wanting more yeah. tailored, individualized, get to the root cause care and providers are actually wanting to go back to being able to do that, being able to spend more than 15 minutes with a patient if that's what's needed. Yeah. Uh, and being able to give them more than just like, well, here, go take this, yep. you know, yeah. Kind of stuff, so. And actually spend the time with people. Um, and, you know, I loved, I loved working in the hospital. I love my team. I do miss having a group of, you know, that interdisciplinary collaboration. It's just me now. So I really miss that. Um, but I, it was just something I needed to do. You know, nothing that anybody does is purely uh, you know, altruistic. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. You Otherwise, know? you would just do it for free. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I had to take care of my body in order to help other people because I can't pour from an empty cup. Right. Right. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. So, um, if there's if there's one thing um, that you think everyone needs to know either about you or your practice or a myofunctional therapy. Myofascial. Myofascial therapy, what would it be? <laughs> <laughs> if there's one thing that people needed to know about me. Or what you do. Mm. Oh, why do you ask, ask hard questions? <laughs> if there's one thing, oh man. Um, there's one thing that people needed to know. Um, one main thing that I think people should know is that there is hope. That's the best. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Nice and simple. Yeah. 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 Don't give up just yet. Yeah. Uh, what's that thing? There's no such thing as a disease that at least one person hasn't like a hundred percent been cured of. Oftentimes, like 
without anyone doing anything, without anyone, without seeing anyone. You know, we'll, you know, you'll hear stories of people who, you know, they're not feeling well and then they go and they tell them, oh my God, you've got this giant tumor and you've only got a few months left to live, get everything, get your affairs yeah. in order. And then, you know, three months later they come back and they're like, well, we can't, the tumor's gone, we can't find it. We didn't do anything, you didn't yeah. do anything, it's just gone. Yeah, that has happened. That happens all <laughs> the time with all diseases. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, I, that's that's awesome. I love that. I love <laughs> I love that. Now, um, in closing, is there uh, a specific resource that you want people to know about that either you provide, whether it's like website or social yeah. media stuff or certain blogs or YouTube channels that you think are chock full of information that would that have people learn more about you and what you do sure um my website is www.zestmfr.com um all of my instagram my instagram social media handles are zestmfr so that's that's where you can find me um if you wanted to learn more about john barnes myofascial release there's myofascial release Com. There's also, this is a really good one, um, if you're not in this area or if you're traveling somewhere in the U.S. and you suddenly just feel like you need some treatment, there is a database of Barnes-trained myofascial release therapists. It's nice. called um, uh, mfrtherapist.com. Okay. I think. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I think it's mfrtherapist.com, but it's also on myofascialrelease.com. There's a link there. And uh, also, if you don't mind, you have a number that people can call if they would like more information yeah. or just actually schedule an appointment. Oh, yeah, you can go to my website. Um, there's a little button. You press book now, so you can book. Um, online if you want or um, my phone number is 904-776-6596 Jamie thank you so much for taking time uh, out of your day to come here this morning and you know spend about an hour with me talking about what you do um, I really appreciate it and um, we're gonna have links to all of that social media uh, information and the website when the episode gets posted thank you, uh, so thank you thank you so much for joining me i really appreciate it i appreciate everything you do too thank you so much dr will there we go Where's thank that? you awesome